listener production. Hi, Rihanna Patrick here with The Briefing. Now, we keep hearing that attention spans are getting shorter, but how can you reduce the distraction of everything around you? We are training our brain every single moment of the day. So if we are dealing with change, if we are juggling multiple things, we're training our brain to be really good at that. And what that's leaving us with is distracted attention. So shortly, you'll meet someone who knows a lot about how to build attention and increase mindfulness. But first, the headlines with Eleanor Harrison Dengate. It's Wednesday, the 4th of January. Flowers have been laid at Broadbeach near SeaWorld on the Gold Coast following a helicopter crash that killed four people. A British couple and the pilot of one of the helicopters died along with a Sydney mother, Her 10-year-old son is now fighting for his life in hospital, while another 9-year-old boy and his mother are still in a critical condition. The helicopter coming in to land and a helicopter taking off hit each other. The main rotor blade of one of the aircraft hit the cockpit of the other. The one that lost its rotor blade then plummeted to the ground, while the other one managed to land safely on a sandbank despite a smashed windscreen. We could have had a far worse situation here and uh, the fact that that one helicopter has managed to land has been quite remarkable. Chief Commissioner Angus Mitchell from the Australian Transport Safety Bureau there. The wreckage of both helicopters has now been moved to a secure facility and investigations into the crash are expected to take weeks. Yeah, Eleanor, the investigators are saying that it's extremely fortunate that more people weren't killed in that collision and investigations will look at the procedures in place for aircraft coming and going from SeaWorld and and what was happening in those two cockpits. China has warned it may retaliate after a number of countries, including Australia, announced new COVID restrictions affecting travellers coming from China. China's Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Mao Ning says countries that adopt entry restriction measures only targeting China lack a scientific basis. Ning also went on to say she firmly opposes the practice of manipulating epidemic prevention and control measures to achieve political goals and will take corresponding measures. She also says new strains can emerge anywhere, so there is no need for special entry restrictions on China. So the comments come after the new mandatory testing was revealed went against the advice of the chief medical officer. The opposition leader, Peter Dutton, has accused Labor of making it up as they go along, while the shadow health minister has called on the government to explain why they ignored the advice. From tomorrow, travellers from China flying to Australia will need a negative COVID test within 48 hours of flying and other countries like the US, Britain, India and Japan are introducing similar measures. Record flooding in the Kimberley is causing havoc and authorities are warning some communities may be cut off for a week. The Fitzroy River at Fitzroy Crossing has broken records at 15.6 metres, way above the previous record of just under 14 metres in 2002 and it's still rising. There's been major damage to the Fitzroy River Bridge, which is part of the region's main artery, the Great Northern Highway. There have been reports of significant stock losses around the region after widespread rainfall of up to 500 millimetres fell over the region since the weekend. Ex-tropical cyclone Ellie is now moving west towards Broome, with more than 100 millimetres falling there over the last 24 hours. And Rihanna, you've been seeing a lot of this around on your socials, haven't you? Yeah, I have. The amount of of water up there at the moment is 
Absolutely. I, like, I can't even describe it, but I'm already seeing calls for aid, um, people asking for help. Uh, there is still more water due and other communities getting cut off as we speak. And so, yeah, it's definitely something that I'm seeing a lot of on my socials, um, particularly knowing that there are a lot of Indigenous communities up that way. Mm, and there could also be some impacts to people outside of the Kimberley because it is, of course, cattle country. So we could see a rise in beef prices. He's considered a goat in Brazil, the greatest of all time, and more than 150,000 people have paid their respects to Pelé, filing past the late legend's open casket at the Villa Belmero Stadium in Santos ahead of his funeral. So Pelé died last week at the age of 82 from colon cancer. He was the only player ever to win three World Cups and was likely the world's most famous athlete in the 60s and 70s. And there's just some sort of incredible stuff about him that I've been coming across. Apparently, uh, in Nigeria, a civil war was actually put on hold just to watch him play. And uh, the FIFA president had some interesting things to say as well earlier this week, Rihanna. Did you catch them? Yeah, I did. He's asking football associations around the world to name a stadium after Pelé. And there's no doubt that he was an influential player, but I'm not sure about whether other countries will take up that offer of naming a stadium after him. But it was it was actually interesting to watch just uh, when his casket was coming through the streets um, to be laid um, in wake. And there were fireworks going off as a guard of honour. There were people holding flares. Um, it was just this outpouring of love, but also grief as his body came by. And, and there's no doubt that he is one of Brazil's loved football players. Briefly in other news, Russian nationalists are demanding punishment for Russian commanders after one of Ukraine's deadliest attacks in the war. Russia has admitted 63 personnel were killed in a missile strike on New Year's Day, although Ukraine puts the number at 400. The largest Australian-made space object ever is being launched by SpaceX, designed to help improve air traffic control services. And Novak Djokovic's Australian campaign is on track. He's cruised through his first round singles match at the Adelaide International in straight sets. Thanks, Eleanor. Now, Eleanor, do you find yourself distracted? Always. Well, our next guest may have some tips on how to rewire your brain and build attention and how to kind of move away from maybe those distractions that are affecting the rest of your life. I don't know about you, but I really struggled with being distracted in 2022. That kind of distracted that affected everything that I was trying to do. That type of distraction when you go from one part of your house to another and then you can't remember why you were there in the first place. Or even just having that long list of work things to do and then struggling to focus on each task in order to get it all done type of distraction. And I'm hoping that you can relate. And if you did feel the same way last year, then maybe Susan Pierce can help. Susan is the author and founder of Mind Gardener, an organisation which focuses on building attention to increase mindfulness, fulfilment and happiness. Susan, thanks for joining the briefing. What is happening to our ability to pay attention? It's a real concern. And I think it's a result of our environment. If you just look at the change we've experienced the last couple of years, but even the last couple of decades, it's been escalating. I think you wouldn't find anyone 
who wouldn't be saying that they're leading a very busy life. We have so much uncertainty and all of those things are no good for the brain because what we don't realise is that we are training our brain every single moment of the day. So if we are dealing with change, if we are juggling multiple things, we're training our brain to be really good at that. And what that's leaving us with is distracted attention. So, Susan, I mean, why is attention and being mindful of it so important to everyday life? Yes, it's really critical because when you think about it, attention is like a thread that connects us to life. So if you're in a relationship, for example, I mean, most people can relate to this one, and you're not paying attention to your partner, it really impacts the quality of the relationship. But it's the same with absolutely anything that you can't learn something well when you're not paying attention. You can't even read a book when your attention is wandering so much that you get to the end of the page and you have no idea what it's even about. It impacts on things like, you know, rework, productivity, making mistakes, all of that. But one of the big things is that there is a really strong link between being mindful and paying attention and happiness. And I think it's no mistake that in the last couple of decades, as technologies come in, as we've gotten busier, we've also seen escalating rates of things like depression. Yeah, well, Susan, that makes me think a little bit about what that effect has been in the pandemic on our attention. And I mean, in the work that you do, I mean, what do you think that effect has been? Mm, I've seen really significant kind of effects and I'm definitely in people that I'm working with seeing a rise in anxiety. And again, I put that down to, you know, so much happened that people got really concerned about and rightly so very worried about. And as soon as we put our brain in that position and we do it over and over again, all of a sudden our brain's looking for everything to worry about. So I feel like it's even, you know, just every second person I work with is talking about the anxiety that they're experiencing, um, but also just what disconnection has done for people as well. Like being disconnected from each other has major impacts for our happiness, for our well-being and our attention as well. So then if there's this feeling of disconnection with our brain, and you've just said earlier that the brain is this constant thing that keeps learning and relearning and we're taking all of that on, do we then have to think about how our brain reconnects if we've found ourselves disconnected during this time? Absolutely. And I think we need to start seeing our brain and, you know, what I would probably broadly call brain training, the same as physical training. Like I think, you know, definitely since even the 80s, there's been a very big push that we need to be doing 20 to 30 minutes physical exercise every day of the week. And I think it needs to be the same for our mind because it's our most powerful instrument. And it's not just when it's in trouble that we should be doing the training, but just doing it as if we were doing physical exercise and it's a maintenance thing. And so these 100 billion neurons that we have, being able to train them to be present, I think is one of the most important life skills. So then what happens when the brain is distracted? What does that look like? We miss out on half of our lives. Basically, there was a really interesting study done some time ago by Harvard University, and I imagine these statistics have gotten even worse, but they found that the average person spends 47% of their day just completely lost in thought. And you know, that's okay if you consciously decide you want to have a little bit of a daydream for a while, get your brain on holidays. But 
When you think about that 47%, that is half of your life that you're not even present for. So huge implications like I've spoken about, but just, you know, that general fact of we're missing out on living full lives. Yeah, that's, I mean, like that is mind-blowing in a lot of ways that we're just too busy thinking about other things to be present in what is happening, but then the effect that that has on the brain. So, I mean, if we're retraining our brain, we're essentially retraining our brain to just not pay attention, yeah? Yes, exactly. And this is what I think we haven't realised that often, you know, I'll be talking at a conference or something and someone would come up and say, I do brain training. I do, you know, 20 minutes of Nintendo brain training a day. And the point is more that we are brain training through all of our waking hours. It's just that we're not doing it intentionally. So if you find yourself worrying all the time, if you find yourself flicking from one thing to another, what you're actually doing is training your brain to do that. And your brain, you know, if during the week you're running between messages, um, meetings and juggling a million things, your brain then doesn't say, okay, it's the weekend, I can focus on my kids or, you know, my family or friends. It just does whatever you've trained it to do. Oh, that's interesting. And I mean, multitasking Mm. is another thing that is, you know, another way, I guess, of distracting the brain, as you put it. But, um, you know, sometimes I feel, Susan, that multitasking isn't something you're necessarily taught, but something that you learn from watching others. And is that part of the problem? I mean, do we need to relearn how to do this and be more conscious? And is multitasking more complex than we give it credit? Yes. Well, it certainly isn't as um, beneficial as we thought it was. And, I, you know, I remember when I first entered the um, workforce, it was very much why do one thing when you can do five things at once? And we were encouraged to multitask. And I think as women, we spent a lot of time, you know, being quite proud of our ability to multitask. But when we then had the technology to look at what that was really doing and there was productivity studies that actually showed when we're multitasking, it takes one and a half times longer to do that set of tasks. So we think we're being efficient, but it's actually taking us a lot longer to get through our list of tasks when we're juggling multiple things. Really, we're 60% less productive. And as I mentioned, with that multitasking focus, it's also damaging that area of the brain that's responsible or registers positive emotions. So it has a twofold effect on both happiness and well-being, but also our productivity. So then what's the trick in multitasking? If it is that complex, Mm. how can you do it well? The reality of today's world is it is so fast-paced that in our day, very rarely will we be able to just focus on one thing. And so the issue then becomes how well we can safely switch between things. Because I think what happens at the moment is we might be typing an email, we get a phone call, we're sort of cradling the phone and still doing the email, or even if we are just on the phone, we're still thinking about what we were doing and thinking about what we'll be jumping to. And safe switching is about, if you can imagine, just picking up all of your attention and taking it on to the next task. Susan, I'm going to assume that this is probably a phrase that you work a lot around with the the work that you've done and the people that you've done work for. But when we say, oh, I don't have time to do that, how do you read that? And what are we really saying? I think what we're really saying is it's not important (laughs) to me. I think we've now got to a stage 
in society where it is difficult to pay attention. So I used the example, you know, earlier about reading a book and actually getting to the end of the page and having taken in a lot of the words is difficult because we've trained our brain to be so distracted all over the place. And I think, you know, when we say I don't have time to be present in a conversation, I don't have time to be present when I'm walking or I don't have time to, you know, brush my teeth in a present way. None of those things require time. They just require extra attention. You know, we're doing those activities anyway. And I think this is the great thing about the potential of how you can train your brain. It just requires an effort of attention. So Susan, then what's your advice on how we can be more attentive in 2023? I think um, just choosing a few simple practices that you do every day. So as I mentioned before, it doesn't have to be something like meditation, but for some people, like there's some great mindfulness apps around that people might, you know, decide to just do three minutes a day, but there are already things in our day that we can attach mind training exercises to. I would recommend mindful listening. So, you know, targeting some interactions in the day, or maybe they're people, maybe it's, you know, when I get home from work, and I first walk into my partner or family or friends, I'm going to use that as the mind trading opportunity to really practice listening mindfully, practice like I'm going to be tested on it. Or you might choose mindful walking, which might be, you know, when I'm getting from my car and I'm walking to the train station or whatever it might be, I'm going to be fully present with my feet on the ground. So there's many things in our day. And as I mentioned before, finding something in your morning routine you know, asking yourself, what can I see right now? What can I feel? What can I hear? Any of those five senses will bring our brain to the present, at least momentarily. Then it might wander off again. And as I mentioned, that's a, a you know normal part of the human function of the brain that it will wander every six to 10 seconds. But can you actually catch that and bring it back? That's Susan Pierce, an author and founder of Mind Gardener, an organization which focuses on building attention to increase mindfulness, fulfillment, and happiness. Some great advice there to keep coming back to, I think, this year. If, like me, you're trying to be more present and mindful in what you do each day, and I could definitely relate to Susan's mindlessness definition. I think I've been mindless for a while now, but definitely some great tips there. That's today's briefing. Tomorrow, vitamin D, how much sunlight do we need to stay healthy in summer and how do you go about getting it? That's tomorrow's briefing. Catch you then. Listener.